0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks, joined by Raphael Jukovin and Jake Smalling. Thanks for joining me guys. And so first up we're going to talk about, normally we talk about Juventus or Inter first, quite, quite normal stuff there, but we're going to actually start, just because it was such a sensational match on the weekend, with uh, the Torino-Lazio game. And Raphael, I want to come to you first. Uh, for you, was this the game of the season
1: so far? I would say so, yeah. And it's it's a really encouraging result for the Lags because it's really the sort of finish that we were seeing last season from them, where they were really just clawing back, clawing back victory from the jaws of defeat. And really, it's a good sign for them because they have been struggling. It's, it's going to give them that mental boost, um, especially especially when you look at how defeated it's been. Uh, the fact that they have got, they, they are getting Immobile back uh, after he was out for and, um, and just getting the squad back to full complement, it's, you know, I, I think it does bode well for the rest of them, actually, because, you know, they, they, they have had a bit of a stuttering start, and this could be the captain to push on, you know, go on the run of form, that really, that they were going on it. Um I think, at the same time, the fact that they have been alternating at the champion area yeah, shows that the squad is still thin on the ground, depending what it is. But I think if they can integrate signing, the signings that they've made over the summer, I mean, she, I think that they can sort of build on that route and move on route. But yeah, at the same time though, they have, um, I think it came out that today that they are being investigated by the Italian FA for, um, for uh, Chiro Mobile to actually play even though he took COVID and been allowed to travel with the squad. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Napoli have been, you know, point, at points and punished by the Italian FA sort of breaking, for the breaking protocol, but Lazio is also be uh, sort of punished for that.
0: Yeah, I, I have seen that, that it looks like, um, yeah, obviously because Lazio, it was all pretty quiet last week about, you know, sort of who definitely had tested positive and stuff like that. It was just obviously for the club ruse game, they had so many absentees. Uh, Jake, going to come to you for your do you think perhaps this is a turning point in the season for Lazio? I remember speaking about three weeks ago with you when they'd just been thumped by Sampdoria and we were a bit worried for them, but... A bit more optimistic for how their season will go now.
2: Uh, yeah, perhaps. Um, I've been quite surprised how well they did in the Champions League, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think the group's massively difficult, but I think they made a really strong start in that competition. Uh, but if you look at the league form um, and look at the league table, they're actually two points behind Juventus in third. So as much as you know, we made a little bit of a song and dance about the start not being quite as good as you know, what they might have hoped. You know, we all compare them a little bit to last season as well. And the way they performed, you know, up until lockdown last season, sort of three quarters of the season, they're absolutely exceptional. And to play at that standard for such a prolonged period, is really, really difficult. You know, you throw into, you know, the mix, the COVID positive tests and a number of injuries. Like I mentioned a few weeks ago, they have got a really, really thin squad. So perhaps we've been a little bit unfair on them judging them off, you know, that really, really good run last season. So um, I'm hoping that they can offer something. I think, you know, we we spoke about it on the first part of the season. You know, the league is really, really strong this year. Um, Probably the strongest it's been, you know, post-2006, I'd argue. Um, So it'd be really good to have them in the mix. I'm pleased that they're doing well in the Champions League as well. After such a big absence from that competition, it's really good to see them come back and give it a go. Um, and they look more likely than Inter, for example, of getting out, uh, getting through the group stages. Uh, maybe even Atalanta as well. So I, I think there's reason to be positive. You know, you've got to look at the manager as well. Uh, what Inzaghi gets out of those players, you know, a lot of other less talented managers perhaps have struggled to get out of. And they deserve a reward for, you know, how well they've worked with that squad over these last couple of years. So, you know, I think they bounced back quite well. But we'll have to see what happens with this investigation.
0: Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see what what does come of that because um, I think there were a few surprises, few surprise names in the squad on Sunday who didn't feature the previous midweek. Uh, and you talked about Juventus there, Jake, um, and they got back to winning ways in the league this weekend, beating Spezia four-one in the end. Uh, Raphael, what did what did you think of the game? A little bit flattering, perhaps, for Juve, given that it was one-all around the hour mark. Um, do you think it was another example that they're too reliant on Ronaldo, who came on and scored two goals?
1: I think on um, on paper it does look that way. The fact that Ronaldo, the game that Ronaldo was out, true. at the same time, I think this particular game, uh, in this context, I think they would have won anyway. Because I was reading what the um, what the Spezia manager was saying at the end of the game, and he was saying that he actually thought. He had hopes that Zvezia could actually go on and win the game, so he told his defenders to push up, which obviously left a lot of space in the back line when you've got Ronaldo to uh, sort of bring you on against that kind of defence and make goal. But I think Ronaldo or not, they would have... Um, obviously, Ronaldo, Ronaldo coming back doesn't have a massive advantage. It's psychological as well. So, I mean, I, would, I, would say, I wouldn't say it's... They're Ronaldo-independent in a way, I'd say that. But he is... He's, he's he's the sort of player who's gonna obviously gonna have impact, have a massive impact on the game whether he comes on at the end or starts. So I think, generally speaking, uh, he's he's in a way he is coming back to bail, uh, bail them out in a spell of form. So, but I think the difference with, with those other teams that are depending on Juventus have options at their disposal. It's just that right now they're not in a spell of the form, but so that could change. That could change if finds the right formation to really get the best out.
0: Yeah. I, think, I think last season a lot of people um, for the Juve largely won the league down to Ronaldo and DiBala. Uh, DiBala obviously got <coughs> Serie A MVP. Uh, Jake, Dybala's actually been receiving quite a bit of criticism for his performances the last week or two, though, since coming back from injury. Do you, do you feel it's down to his form or perhaps his contract extension talk stalling?
2: Uh, I think possibly down to a little bit of his form, but that's got to have been affected by his contract talks. I think we've seen something similar happen with Lotaro Martinez it into um a lot of speculation has led to his performances dropping. I think it's a similar situation with Dybala. Um but also I think uh he fit into the system a little bit better last season. I think you know the way that Sorry used to use him was better for you know his playing style. Uh, I think that's one thing you can definitely say about Maurizio Sarri. Does get the best out of certain players. He was similar with Hazard at Chelsea. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the work that he's done with the ball it was pretty good. So any drop off from that was always going to get noticed. And because he's not quite playing as well as last season, that's possibly why he's getting a little bit of criticism. But for me, Juventus are in a bit of transition. Uh, I think Allegri to Sarri was a bit of a downgrade as far as Juventus saw it, even though they still won the league last season. Uh, I think they're in sort of a bit of a new transition. They've got a manager who's a, a massive rookie. Um, he didn't even really get to take charge of the B team properly. So I think in terms of Perlo, you know, it's unfair to judge him at this point. Give him a little bit of time, especially when you look at the squad. You know, I know they moved Matuidi and you know Higuain on in the summer. Players who are a little bit older, and they have got another sort of generation coming through in you know Dilitt Colosevsky and they've spent a bit of money on our tour as well. But it is a team that's possibly coming to the end of its cycle as well. And I think they are massively reliant on Ronaldo. I think he's come back and he's bailed them out a few times. He did it a lot last season, you know, especially from the penalty spot. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. You know, they were able to get those sort of plucky victories when they didn't really play that well. And Juventus, you know, they know that Dybala can provide that as well. So I think potentially is a little bit you know based on speculation but I don't know if he really fits into you know Perlo's style of play quite as well as what he did on Sari. so if he can fit into that uh, Perlo can sort of shoehorn him in in a way that gets the best out of him that's when we'll start to see the ball up a little bit better I think
0: yeah I think so <clears throat> we're certainly interested to see in Uva Get on over the next few weeks because they've sort of uh, been quite unimpressive. So, but particularly last week in the Champions League against Barcelona, where they were quite comfortably beaten. Um, and so, I now want to move on to the early pace setters this season, and that's uh, Milan, who have won five of their first six games. Uh, league by a couple of points. What did what did you make of their victory on Sunday lunchtime, Raphael against Udinese? They were made to work for it, but in the end. Zlatan came good for them. Do you think if he stays fit, then they could possibly pull off a shock and, and really push for the Scudetto this year? Yeah.
1: I think they could. I mean, the game against Udinese, it, it might be a cliche, but it's a sort of game that the champions win. Um, you know, I think throughout the game, they were quite reliant on Zlatan coming out of the hat. You know, that they, that amazing assist, he brought the ball down and then laid off because kiss. And then, obviously, his winner, a bicycle, which... Um, which I wouldn't say masked a bad performance but it definitely it, it was definitely probably entirely on near the three points. I think the performance wasn't up to scratch um, compared to how they've started the season. Well for example Jadhanovu and uh, and Salamaku were, were did, did have a great performance um, against Sudinese. But that said on the whole they have been in the way in the just in the way that they are which results. And I think the fact that it's the fact that they're performing not just not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. He's having been a massive. I think he is a leader of men in that sense. And I think above, well, moving away from that, as well, about the fact that every player in that Milan side, on average, has had a good, a good season so far. None, there, there's no weak, there's no now in, in that starting eleven so far. They all, they all, they all have a specific role, and they all. So I definitely think if he fit, he's going to be the deciding factor.
0: Yeah, and I think. Um... Yeah, as, as you say, they sort of it went one all early in the second half with quite a dubious penalty, and it would have been easy for Milan to perhaps drop points in that game, but but they came through well in the end. Uh, a team who aren't doing as well are their main rivals, Inter. Uh, Jake, obviously you're a bit of an Inter specialist, so I'll come to you for this one. Um, the side snatched a late draw in the end against Palmer, showing a bit of character, but. Um, what well, Conte said it was said the team were a bit unlucky. Obviously they had plenty of attempts on goal in the end, but does it seem a bit more than that to you? And and did it also sort of show on the weekend how reliant Inter have become on Lukaku to bail them out in recent weeks?
2: Uh, I think it sort of gave us a bit of a glimpse of the bigger picture. Um I think they were unlucky if you look at the stats alone. You know, Palmer had three shots on the target and scored two goals and but big picture wise, Palmer had a pretty poor start to the season. Um that's just, you know, last season we might have seen Palmer go there and get a result. I mean they did draw their last year and make it really difficult for Inter. and you know we we all know Javino on his day can be a really mercurial talent. You know, he's capable of putting a performance like that. But it's all about the bigger picture with Inter at the moment. It's it's really concerning. Um they've massively backed Conte. You know, he gets paid a massive, massive salary, especially compared to all the other coaches. You know, it's six times nearly more than Gasparini, who earns the second most in the league. And they've totally bought into the concept project um, buying sort of aged, experienced players. If this doesn't work, it could be a real, real disaster for Inter. I mean, you look at players like Borelli, you look at Hakimi, you look at Lukaku, they could get in the majority of teams in European football. They're excellent players. And the uh, players with age on their side. We start to look at some of the players that he's brought in. You know, Vidal's been a decent signing so far, but he's wrong side of 30. Nangolin, wrong side of 30. Korov, wrong side of 30. And Danovich. This is a team that Conte wanted experienced players, aged players. But at the minute, the, exp- the experiment so far is not working. Intra, not where they need to be. And a lot of that comes down to the manager's inflexibility. Um, they've got a real problem scoring goals, other than Lukaku. You know, Martinez is not quite firing the way he was this time last year. You know, given all the speculation and things like that, it's sort of understandable. Um, But you've also got to look at the investment they made in the squad. Um, they said in the summer right I want to bring depth to the team. We want to add some more players, but they're still missing a left wing back severely so. Conte will only play 3-5-2. That's been proven so far with this team. And they're badly missing a left wing back. It's it's a real, real concern. So for me, that lack of attacking sort of conviction is something that's really missing. They're missing that link between midfield and attack. Stefano Sensi provided that last year. So obviously with him being injured as well, that's a little bit of a problem for them. His reluctance to give Ericsson a real crack at that job and Ericsson's lack of sort of ability to fit in so far, and that's also costing them. And I really fear for them because at the minute when this is sort of problems have been arising, Lukaku's been bailing them out, but with him being injured, especially ahead of the Champions League game against Real Madrid, that's that's a real worry. Um, I I do worry for Inter a little bit. I think the investment in this Conte project has to work at the minute. It's not, and I don't really see Conte turning it around unless he's got something up his sleeve that we don't know about.
0: Yeah, so this is the second year of Conte's three-year contract, Um, and I think people really expected Inter to push on this year. Are are you a bit worried for Conte's future? In that, you know, do you see him perhaps going at the end of this season, or even earlier than that, if if this continues?
2: The problem you've got is the the salary, 12.5 million euros a year. So, you know, we know in Italy what he likes to do is to keep managers under contract. So the, the idea is we're, we backed him, we've given him the plays that he wants. You know, he has got a winning pedigree, him and Morata with a partnership that, you know, brought Juve back to the top table, albeit in a weaker league, which, you know, I must stress, the league was a bit weaker back then. Um, but you, you can see why they backed him he was successful at Chelsea, he did a good job with the national team, so I, I think you can't argue with the decision to back him um, but since they've gone so far in I think they're just going to have to keep running with it What well, the option is pay him off do they really want to spend that money to pay him off do they get someone who's necessarily better it's hard to argue I mean, you, you, you're talking people like Allegri potentially you're talking Pochettino managers like that You know they might do a better job but it's the financial implications of doing that and the fact that they've backed him so heavily it's probably worth giving him a proper crack at the job or this brings Spalletti back. But I can't see him until he's in faith with Conte. But I also do worry for Inter's sake if he's got it in him to sort of see what the problem is. Because you often find managers that they are quite stubborn and it's quite plainly obvious for fans to see the team what the problem is. That lack of conviction um, some of the players that he's brought in not quite hitting the heights, i.e., of You know these experienced players. You know fans were a bit annoyed that he didn't sign Sandro Tonali, but you know Conte allegedly had a role in that. You know a player who could have played for Inter for ten plus years in favor of bringing in 33-year-old Atura Vidal. Vidal's been quite good so far, but it is a gamble. But I, I can see Inter sticking with it simply from a financial point of view. Look, we backed him. Let's let's give it a go. But I'm struggling to see how he's going to pull them out. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think um, Inter certainly have been one of the bigger disappointments so far this season. Got a big week coming up, of course, uh, playing Madrid and then Atalanta in the league. So, huge week for Inter. A team who are really doing well, though, um, currently right up there with uh, just just below Milan in the league, uh, Sassuolo, four wins, two draws. They beat Napoli this weekend away from home without Baradi and Caputo. How impressed were you, Raphael? And, and do you think, um, are you more convinced now that they can perhaps push on for Europe this season?
1: I think they can, because when you look at the win, the amount of absence, very, very, and for me, the most impressive aspect is a field. So I pointed him out as sort of underrated signing at the start. At the start, the start of Maxime Lopez on stage has really just fit in. He, um, he, plays, it, he plays in sort of a midfield group super- with who's also also at the brilliant game, and when you look at when you look at the way they play, the way they interact and sort of build these quick attacks, they've easily won the best and of the best midfield. And realistically, they've proven they can win against, against stronger teams, and that they can out. So I would say, like even even if so far they've had a relatively simple victory until now without the game, there's still um, they still need to prove themselves against against other top teams before we can really. Definitely say that they can, but so far from what we've seen so far, there's definitely there's definitely reason. To...
0: Yeah, they have been they have been very impressive, uh, scoring about three goals a game on average so far. Keeping um, a clean sheet against Napoli is no mean feat. Uh, Jake, from a Napoli perspective, um, overall they have had a very good start to the season. Uh, but the results like this one and the one against AZ Alkmaar in the Europa League a couple of weeks ago where they missed quite a few chances and eventually lost 1-0 to AZ, lost 2-0 this weekend. They're just missing something. To just be battling for top four this year rather than being genuine title contenders.
2: Well, I was looking through the squad the other day and the depth in quality they've got is pretty sensational. I struggled to find a weak link, really. Um, you know, Bakayoko started playing some games now. And you look at the options they've got, even in midfield players like Demi and Labotka, who came in last year, not even getting game time. Uh, so, but the flip side of that is, it's how you use that squad. I think they came off the back of the Atalanta result to play AZ. They were on a bit of a crest away, but it really sent them back sort of down to earth, bumping down. And I was really, really shocked at the result of the weekend. I think Sasshole are a brilliant team. You know, I think you dubbed them sort of mini Atlanta the other week, and I think that's was, that's was pretty bang on. I think they're, they're a match for anyone on the day. You know, they're good at scoring goals. They've got a really exciting attack. So, you know, it's, it's no shame, but at home, you know, some of the players they have got you know Kula Bali, you know Insigne, you know Zielinski plays like that. I mean, you know, Zielinski didn't play, but plays like that, you, you think they'd probably have enough about them to win that game. But you know, I, I was a little bit disappointed, but. Now, I mentioned it myself a few weeks ago. I think what possibly stops Napoli is with the way that they've started. They've they've been 110 percent every single game. So I think the issue might be, you know, potentially a bit of burnout. They say sometimes that managers mirror the teams, and I think this Napoli team probably do mirror Gattuso quite well. You know, when they're good, they're full of passion, they're full of energy, raw sort of football, and you think, wow. You know, and then sometimes something might not quite go her way, and you start to see a bit of panic, a little bit of fraughtness across the face. So, I think they're a team, full-blooded team, full of passion. You know, full, you know, very, you know, energetic. You know, we, we talked about the way they pressed the other week, um, but I think using that squad's going to be key over the season if the Arles challenge for the title. You've got Petania in there as well as a striking option because Osimen's been good, but he's not quite banging the goals yet. So maybe using Patanio a little bit more might help. He's something really, really different. You know, he's not easy on the eye, but, you know, the way he played his spell was absolutely exceptional. So maybe using him a little bit more could add to that. Just using that squad, keep rotating, keeping players fresh. That would be the only way it will change for the title. But I think for me, I think top four, and I think top four would still represent a bit of progress. I think, you know, finish outside their last season. Um, they've got to try and get through the group in the Europa League. You know, If you're in the Europa League, you either want to get to the latter stages or in a sort of way you want to opt out if you're Napoli, because you want to be in the Champions League, don't you? So focus on that top four, use the squad. That might help the challenge for the title a bit better.
0: Yeah, that was that was Napoli's first defeat on the pitch in Serie a this season.
2: And they're due to find
0: out next week... Um... About whether they will, uh, whether they have successfully appealed the Juventus game, which obviously they forfeited a couple of weeks ago. So uh, intrigued to see the outcome of that one. Uh, just moving on to another team, who uh, you know you mentioned them briefly there, Jake. Actually, about Sassuolo and Atalanta. Atalanta themselves did get back to winning ways this weekend. Um, Raphael, what, what what do you make of Atalanta? Just had a couple of defeats in the league. Um, but they but they did sort of grind out a result against Crotone this weekend. Uh do, do you think we'll be seeing them firing on all cylinders again soon? And and why do you think they're sort of slightly off the pace in the last few games?
1: I mean hopefully it'll turn out to be just a blip, but it's pretty clear there's some players in that team may aren't on and I think if, if I just pick out a position that hasn't firing in the ball back, um, the fact that they have had had some active time in the two games that they have lost to Tampdoria and Napoli I think they were missing at least one of the two fullbacks which really sums up how so I think the fact that they did manage to grind out was just based on the, the depth and quality more than all the, the gulfing between them and returning more than return to form return to their depth so it'll be interesting how they move forward because we don't know how long is going to be out how to ball will be available in the, in the weeks to come so will they need to adapt and starting play and then Away from the fullbacks, I think we've got other people have, for, different, for a different set of circumstances haven't been able to sort of get on that level. We see them, um, the illiterate firing on the lead, that is this personal issue they've been playing much anywhere in a to get back into form. But I think what made them, you know, what made Antalan for the team to be at the end of the last season, possibly the start of this, is the fact that so many factors took place and really made it so that they were every player in the team was such a great spell of form. I think now that. Now that some players, well, right now, now that the players aren't even around the selection aren't, aren't getting up to speed so far. That just kind of works. So he, he has to find a way to make up for that. Moving away from starting eleven, the quality isn't there, especially when you look forward backs So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Obviously, all the players they they have a very flexible So, will you know, will he bring in? Will he change up the starting? I, I personally, I would like. He, you, see, you know, in his career, he's had his sort of purple patches anyway, but I think this has been quite a prolonged spell out back in. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Them. I think their double header against will be very, very. We'll be able to see if the result won't be necessarily be what matters. It will more be the um, there's sort a of style of play that they do put out against whether they are going to go all out as usual, to try and change things. Yeah, I
0: think. Um... As I said, they've had four wins, two losses in the league so far, so quite patchy. Um, and, yeah, wing-backs does seem to be an issue. They're, they're set to do that, to go and gobbins, um Certainly midweek this week against Liverpool. Um, let's see if they're back for the weekend against Inter. Uh, but, yeah, big big week coming up for Atalanta. Um, another team who have been in Europe uh, season after season over the years are Roma. Uh, I think there were some fears for them at the start of the year, um, given how their summer sort of panned out. But they seem to be gathering momentum. Got a 2-0 win on the weekend against Fiorentina. Uh, Jake, what, what what do you make of them? Do, do you think that um perhaps they will do a little bit better than first anticipated?
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've been quite impressed with them so far, to be honest with you. Um, I watched full 90 minutes of them against Milan last week and I thought they were pretty unlucky not to get all three. Uh, I think the referee obviously had a bit of a bearing on that game. Two dodgy penalties, uh, you know, one for each side. But uh, I've been quite impressed with Roma recently. Uh, I think Pedro's been a really good addition. Um, They're a bit like a Premier League reject FC at the moment with Chris Morling in there as well and Mkhitaryan. But uh, I'm a big fan of Fonseca. Uh, I think he's a really good manager. I think last term they perhaps struggled to get that consistency. But when they were good, they were really, really good. Um so this team will be about whether they can be a little bit more consistent. They've got that added experience with players like Pedro. They've got Mikatari in their payment of the season. I think that's a pretty good signing. Uh, I quite like Ibanez at centre back as well. Um, you know, it just shows you how good Atalanta are at the minute that he couldn't even really get a sniff in their team. So uh, you know it's good for the league to see um you know Roma doing well. So hopefully they can kick on and just find that. Bit more consistency about them and get off running properly in the Europa League as well. Um, you know, the, the result against Sophia last week was a really poor result at home. So, if they can sort of get a bit of a run going where they win six or seven games on the bounce, we'll be able to talk about them, about them in an even more positive way and they can prove that they've got a chance of being up there this year. Because, like I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a lot of competition uh, in Serie A this season for you know Europa League and Champions League places. You know, there's a lot of teams of quality. You know, we've mentioned a few of them already. You know, Sassuolo are going to be a real force this season, I think. You know, even at the weekend, you know, missing Juricic, who's been a really good sign, you know, Barardi, Caputo, and they still weren't to Napoli and did a job. So it's going to be tight. Um but just get consistent and then you know we'll see where they end up.
0: Yeah, a team that have really struggled for consistency where their opponents, um, Fiorentina, who, who've lost a few already so far this season. Uh just wanted to come back to you quickly on that, Jake, because I know you you quite you have a bit of a soft spot for uh, or at least have plenty of knowledge about Fiorentina. But do you think it's a matter of time for Iakini? These these rumors of sari don't seem to be going away.
2: Uh yeah, I think it is a matter of time. Um you know, I was quite shocked we appointed him in the first place. You know, I quite like Yacine. I think he's pretty pragmatic. Uh, I think for you know top-end Serie B or a battling sort of Serie A side, he's a good manager. But looking at the players they've got at their disposal at the moment, they should be doing far, far better. Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be, you know, achieving what teams like Sassuolo are doing. Uh, I think they've got some real quality and experience. You know, signing Callahan's a bit of a coup, I think. You know, his best days are perhaps behind him, but he's been a top quality player for Napoli, you know, for the best part of five, six years there. So uh, that's that's a top sign. You've got Rebri next to him. He can stay fit this season, he's a positive signing. Uh, Milenkovic at the back, you know, he's really solid. Both Milan clubs like you're looking at him and you can see why he's a really good player. And Castrovilli started this season pretty strong as well. You know, he's got four goals already and he's a player who's really, really easy on the eye. You know, like Raphael just mentioned, you know, you, you even got players like Vlaivic and, you know, even with Chiesa gone, I, I don't fear for them. I think they've got quality all over the pitch, so they should be doing better. I think, you know, as a romantic, I think Sorry would be a great appointment for them. You know, it could be enough out of the spotlight where his sort of methods and tactics aren't questioned as, you know, scrupulously as they were at Juventus. And, you know, they'd have a bit more patience for him. And I think the fans would really, really take to him. I think Sorry would be... And Fiorentina be a match made in heaven, he could really take them on a little bit further. You know, with Callahaner in there, you know, he knows how he works. So yeah, I, I can't see Akini lasting much longer. And sorry would be a really, really perfect fit, I think. And you know, much for sorry, also Fiorentina being out of the spotlight and that sort of magnifying glass that he was in last season had really, really benefited. That he did his best work at Napoli when you are know, sort of taking them on that step further. And, you know, same at Empoli, he wasn't quite as put under so much scrutiny. So I think it will be a, you know, a really positive thing if, you know, that was to happen, not for Yakimi, but, you know, for Furentini.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Okay. And, and so ne- next part of the show, I just want to sort of, uh, whiz through the, the other games that we saw this weekend, starting with Bologna was a bit of a thriller on Saturday night, actually. Um, Bologna eventually came through that one. 2. Uh, Rafael, how do you assess these two teams so far? Bologna, you know, can't keep a clean sheet to save their lives, but are always in entertaining games. And Calvary bit up and down so far. So, so how do you see those sides uh, getting on as the season progresses?
1: I think Bologna are very interesting. At times, they short bursts of the game they play, but then obviously they, they just they just cannot keep cheap. Um, but they have some really, really exciting players in it, Barrow who actually both scored at the weekend. So and then um, well Cal Gall- Cagliari are, are similar really. Their games are always high scoring. Both have um, both are very experienced managers in them um, in Mihailovic and Francesco. So yeah, I mean it, neither side are gonna be very are gonna be a risk, but like both sides are you know, it's all flashy in attack, but there's not much substance behind it and you know, it's it's good it's good for it's good for the entity uh, yeah, it's it's um, I think I think in, in both in both of their cases they're going to be mid table. I think Cavalry I can't see them doing have sort of replicating the sort of form that they were doing um, at the start of last season, nor nor replicating the, the awful form that they had in the second half. You know, it's going to be relatively smooth sailing. And for Bologna really, it's will they if they if they can manage to at one point get a clean sheet, I think they'll be able to. It'll be relative relatively sailing. I mean it, it depends really on how. They sort of, whether, whether both both
0: sides can sure yeah certainly um, looks like a couple of teams who will be in a lot of entertaining games this season um, probably both yeah, as you say around the mid table mark another couple of teams who could be around there or possibly a little bit lower uh, played we had the Genoa derby on sunday night ended one uh Sampdoria perhaps just edging the game but but yeah Genoa got Jake, how do you um, feel about those two teams? Do you think that they both will be safe come the end of the season, or, or do you fear for one a bit more than the other?
2: Uh, I think they're going to be amongst the also runs. In, in all honesty, they've not got the quality to trouble the top half much. Um, I fear more for Genoa. Uh, I think they're not really sort of going anywhere. Uh, I think they'll do better than they did last year, perhaps. Last year was a bit of a tricky year for them. You know, a couple of managers in and out, a lot of lone players. But again, they've recruited, you know, quite heavily this time. But I quite like Scumacca, to be honest with you. Um, I really like the look of him. Um, you know, he's come at Sassuolo. And given the options they've got there, obviously it's hard for him to break in there. But, you know, he could be someone who, you know, comes out of this season looking pretty good. You know, he, you know he's very highly rated in Italy. You know, similar to sort of, the Pinamonti sort of generation of strikers. Um but with Sampdori I think you've got to add, you know, Quali and Ranieri into the mix. You know, that bit of experience, that sort of Maverick style does carry them through games. Um I think, you know, Quali you know, not quite the player he was maybe two seasons ago. Each mile on the clock does, you know, make him a little bit worse perhaps in terms of you know being able to keep up with the fixture demand. Um but you know, he, he does drag them through games from time to time. And that'll be enough to keep them safe. And you know, you channel that with Ranieri, you know, he can work magic, we've seen that, you know, countless times before. You know, even last year when he went in there, they were dead and buried. You know, they'd had such a bad start on De Francesco but he did really well to drag them out. Um like I said, I don't think we've got the quality in the squad uh, either of those times to trouble the top half, but in terms of relegation, I think they'll both just about be okay.
0: Yeah, I think that does seem to uh, be how it. That does seem how it looks uh, so far this season. But we'll have to see. Obviously, Genoa have been in relegation battles the last two or three seasons. Certainly weren't in a relegation battle last year, and have started this season very well as well. Hellas Uh they picked up a three-one win on Monday night against Benevento. Uh, Raphael, are you, a bit, are you a bit surprised by how well um, they've done so far this season, given the players they lost over the summer? And do you think they'll be able to maintain it as, as the year progresses?
1: I was definitely expecting them to have a, sort of a dip in the quality of the players that they have lost. Very obviously, Amr Abaddon as well, and Romani actually, so those three were the, the team, but at the same time, I think when you look at the, the game plan that uh, and Eurovision, it's one that really it's one where it doesn't really matter much, I think, in the sense that it's a game plan that works under anything, really. You just have this high pressing to um, to sort of yeah, put pressure on. And, and, and you know, they still have 40 players on the side, like the Baron, too, including a great goal. So it'll be interesting to see if they do carry on in that vein. But I would say, on the evidence of just the technical setup, they can definitely push for european
0: Yeah, we'll have to to see if they can maintain it. They did sort of fall away in the final weeks of last season, but they have picked it up at the start of this campaign. Okay, so final part of the show, just want to touch on uh, how Serie A's sides are doing in Europe, uh, which are a third of the way through the group stages, both Champions League and Europa League. Jake, how do you feel the Italian teams are doing? And are there any sides in particular that you worry won't make it through the group stage?
2: Uh, I think they're doing okay so far, I think, based on the Champions League. I think uh, Atalanta have got a bit of a crunch game tonight um, against Liverpool. That's, that makes it quite difficult. Um, you know, Liverpool, as good as anybody in Europe on the day. But, you know, they are missing Virgil van Dijk. So, I think Atalanta's bigger strength is in attack. So, maybe they can exploit that. Um, if they can get a big positive result against uh, Liverpool, I think they'll look like a really good bet to make the next round. and. Uh, you know, on the flip side, I think, you know, into the team of the Champions League that are gonna come under the most pressure. Um, you know, two draws in games you know that you'd expect them to win. Uh I think you know they're they're gonna find it tougher. They're gonna to have to go away to Real Madrid and get a result. You know, Real Madrid, I've got a image of them have been a bit of the walking wounded so far, you know, their bottom, if you'd have looked at that group. You know, at the start of the tournament, before a ball had been kicked, and then you looked at it now, you'd be like, "No well Surely that's going to be the other way around." You know, and but you know that you know that complaint into his hands. You know, maybe Real Madrid being out of form might play into their hands, but the other side, you know, they're going to need points. So I don't know. I I fear for Inter, and you know, going back to what I was saying about Conte before. You know, one of the reasons why he was brought in, you know, over Spalletti was to improve the know Champions League performances, they've been out of that competition for a number of years, they've come back in, they've been knocked out of the group stage the last two seasons in into Europa League. So they'll be hoping that doesn't happen again. Uh, I think Juventus will be fine. I think their group, you know, the way that that looks you know you'd imagine them Barcelona going through. Uh, and then in the Europa League, I think you know, all the teams will be fine. I think Napoli probably got a little bit of work today after losing against Alkmaar. You know, and I mentioned Roma before. a Bit of a sort of lazy result at home against Sofia last week. But I think Inter, are the only team in Italy that I worry for not reaching it.
0: Yeah, are you are you the same, uh, Raphael? Do you worry a bit for Inter, or are there any other sides you think uh, might not get through? Obviously, Atanham to do have all in their group, so so not a straightforward passage at all for them.
1: I agree. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think um I think Inter are definitely the ones out of all the Italians who are the most at risk. I mean, as of well, as as of um as of next week they could find themselves bottom of the group. So after that double bill against Real Madrid. So I think coming back from that would be quite different. Um, then I guess they could have a second stab at the Europa League, because that's not what they would have wanted, or we'll Conte with a risk project. Um but yeah, obviously Atalanta's double head, but I think they'll 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 probably come out of the um, same, similar with Lazio I think paradox, sort of paradoxically, they, they're doing well in Europe, given their group and the fact that they have. They've already got a win against Dortmund on the board. I think they'll. Same with, same with Juventus. I think when you, they, they've struggled against Barcelona, but when you look at the quality of their on the group, and then in the Europa League, I think Milan, the other teams they had, they had a blip, all in all, I think they'll, they'll all will through.
0: Yeah, it does seem like they're on, they're on track for it. Um, and so on Wednesday night, Juventus play uh, Hungarian side Ferenc Varos. Um, Tom Sereb, who's a regular on the pod, um, knows his Hungarian football very well and has kindly done a little preview for that game. So I'll just hand over to Tom for his, for his section uh, ahead of that fixture.
3: Yeah, Ferenc Varos' Champions League story is actually quite interesting. This is their first appearance in the competition since the 1995 and 1996 edition, which was coincidentally was won by Juventus. In all their qualifiers' fixtures, they were the underdogs. Uh, however, they went on to relegating uh, Celtic and Dinamo Zagreb to the Europa League before knocking out Molder in the playoffs. They improved game on game, playing to their strengths, such as being physical in the field, and burying the few chances they had in front of goal. The 5-1 loss against Barcelona in their first game was not fully representative of the match as a whole because in the first 20 minutes of that game, they had a goal narrowly ruled out of Saud and also hit the post. However, their lack of experience in the competition also showed I felt they struggled to manage the game well and ended up conceding five against a Barcelona side that lost against Getafe on the weekend previously. Uh, However, against Kiev, they were much better. Even though they were 2-0 down at half-time, they managed uh, managed to pull the game back to a draw. I feel they were very unlucky to only get a point in that game as they created a lot more chances than uh, Kiev and were very dangerous in the last few moments of the match. And I reckon if the game, if they had more time, they would have been able to score a third as well. However, like even though that, you know, Ferenc Vars have been gaining momentum in the competition, you know, slowly getting into games and scoring more goals and conceding less, Ju- Juventus um, should clearly be the, the clear winners. They should get the job done in Hungary. Uh, however, they should not underestimate Faranswarish. At the same time, Faranswarish's strengths, I would say, their long balls are very dangerous. Their striker Nguyen, is very quick and skillful. Uh, he caused a lot of problems for PK at the new Camp, um, and I reckon after this season or even in January, he might get a move to a top club, maybe in one of the top five leagues or at one of the one of the teams that consistently playing the Champions League and the Europa League year on year. He caused a lot of problems because accurate long balls from full-backs, either any of them, like even the first-choice or second-choice transferers, full-backs are very good, Sivic, Heister, Botkin, Lovrenčić, They were very dangerous uh, against both Kiev and Barcelona. And Juventus defenders should be wary, especially slower players such as Bonucci, because they can be caught out. Hungarian International and Ukrainian international midfielders Shigir and Karatin form a very strong like defensive unit in midfield with defensive midfielder Somalia who played in Toulouse um in the last few years, which Juventus might struggle to break down initially. You know, this this uh Irish team was very well put together by manager Sergiu Bebrov in the last few years. Having said all this positive stuff about Ferenczo-Irish, how they're going up and improving, Juventus, I don't think Juventus should have any problems breaking down this Ferenczo-Irish side. I don't, I can't see the Hungarians, you know, having any stamina to keep up with, you know, uh, the Italian champions and just Juventus' sheer quality could make it difficult just to keep them out. And also, you know, Ronaldo is back. uh, Juventus did not have at their disposal against Barcelona. So, I am expecting a, a comfortable event Juventus win.
0: OK, well, thank you, Tom. And thanks, uh, Raphael and Jake, for joining me uh, for this podcast. And we'll catch you guys soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Goodbye.